Gabe's Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Newsman, and I'm your host as always. And this week, I am joined by my very best friend in the whole wide world, Amanda Farrell, the Princess of Power. How are you? I live and breathe in this space and time. That was very poetic of you. <laughs> That's all I got, man. <laughs> that was that was like just that was like two steps short of a Jane Austen quote. We're getting there. We we're are getting be, there. We're, we're probably going to be there by Christmas. So this week we're talking about video games. But for those of you board game fans that have listened to the beginning of every podcast and been like, man, Steve, when is the board games coming? I'm assuring you this next week. We're back to the board games and we'll be alternating from there on out because there's actually board game stuff to talk about now. So uh, we're 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 going to let the video games have a little bit of a rest, if for nothing else, because Amanda and I don't want to talk about Epic versus Apple forever. No, we do we not just talk about it every other week. <laughs> so Correct. before we get too much farther, this is a podcast that is sponsored by two things. The first it is sponsored by the Virtual Economy Podcast. That is a podcast hosted by Amanda and Mike Footer. And they talk about the way video games get paid for, more or less. It's the business of games. So if you like listening to us talk about all the hype things that are happening and you want to know how they happen, they get into the weeds and they talk with lawyers and they have an encyclopedic knowledge unto themselves and things that would be a sentence on this podcast will be a week's worth of content for them. So if you want to see some <laughs> things expand, Amanda laughs, but she knows that's the truth. It is. If you want to hear them expand on some things, make sure to subscribe to the Virtual Economy Podcast. We have a link to that in our show notes. Also sponsored by EFG LFG PST. That is an engaged family gaming podcast for casual World of Warcraft fans or lapsed World of Warcraft fans who want to live vicariously like Amanda. And we just recorded our sixth episode last night that will be going live next week. And we are we're hitting our stride, not quite as tenured, I would say, of a podcast as the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. And it will never catch up by nature of the fact that I'm not going to quit with this. But it's been a lot of fun. We talk about a lot of stuff and we don't get crazy because sometimes people get real nerdy about that wow stuff. We're not going to do that. We're not about that life. As we the are kids not say about that days. life. We talked about the zombies this week. So it'll be uh, so it was a thing. And next week we're All talking right. about we're, next week we're talking about the the fae that live in the fae wilds, I guess. I don't know. It's going to be a thing. So now that we've talked about our sponsors, we got the book, the bookkeeping out of the way. Amanda, let's go around the horn because you and I actually played video games this week. We did, and they're not fully redacted either. I know. Well, I mean, you talk about you play video games every week, but many of them are those that you had to sign paperwork that said that you explicitly would not come on our show and talk about them. But we there are three games that we have talked about. So why don't you start with the game that you only played? Yes. And then I will share my experience and then we will share our collective experience with the third game. So I'm you played it. a game called is it Rookie? Yes, it's Rookie. So it's R-O, but it has an umlaut, K-I. And this is a game that we talked a little bit about on uh, the podcast back during Not E3. And the so if you'll recall, I was pretty hype about Rookie. Rookie is a dark fairy tale, and it's set in Sweden. So it has a couple of little kids. It's 
it's a game about siblings, essentially. Siblings and monsters and riddles and exploration and making friends with the monsters in the in the wider world. It's nonviolent, which means that there's no combat or anything like that. A lot of it is solving puzzles and, and trying to find the next step of your journey. So you follow Tuve. So that is T-O-V-E. So Tuve is the older sister, and she is following her her little brother Lars as they try to escape this big bad monster that came and destroyed their house. And they had to leave their dad behind. And I'm at the part in the game now, I'm, I'm a couple hours in, um, where Tuve is looking for Lars because Lars has gone missing. Ooh. So... Okay. The other cool thing about this game is that Tuve is an artist and she sketches the things around her and she takes really, really good notes. So she's got this robust journal that talks about her journey and talks about, you know, what's on her mind at various stages, um, various stages of the game. So I'm only a couple of hours into Ruki right now. It is beautiful. And it is kind of scary. Okay. My my husband, Mike, or my husband, James, sorry, is playing the game with our little ones completely separately. Like, they play games together in the mornings. Okay. So James started playing the game with Gabe and Viv, and they're loving it. Gabe's a little bit freaked out by it, but he'll just crawl onto his daddy's lap and just kind of stay there. And Vivi's like, monsters, monsters, monsters. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, and yeah. She's a, she's a, she's a strong-willed one. <laughs> So, she likes creepy things. Okay, sure. I mean, she doesn't... can have she can have all of mine. Okay, I'll tell her that she gets your rations of creepies. You can have my rations of creepy things. I, I absolutely loved the the way this game looked when we saw it. I it, it, I think it might be a little too creepy for me. Uh, I, I have a sto- fun story about things being too creepy for me for after the show, but because it's about a not kid-friendly game, but <laughs> that I, I couldn't bring myself to play and just brought back to my friend. So I love how it looks. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. But I have a feeling that I'm going to, like, bounce. This was the one that, that Meggy determined was a Meggy game. And I'm a little concerned, now that I hear that it is on the spoopy side, that it might freak her out. Because while it, Whereas Viv is kind of, you know, she's like hell on wheels. She's just ready to do what she got to do. My Maggie is a little bit scared. Like she doesn't even like going places without me. So, so this might might be be a little intense for her if that's the case. So if she is going to play, she'll have to play with daddy. Absolutely. But that's okay. We need plenty of excuses to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's Rookie. And what's that? What's that available on? So Rookie... Rookie is available on PC right now. I'll double check and see where else it's available, but it's available right now on Steam. It was announced today for Nintendo Switch. And I think it's also available on GOG, but this is this is mostly a game that is available just on PC platforms. Okay. So we will we will see what else they will release it for over time. But for now, it's only available on Steam and GOG. It was announced for Nintendo Switch, but there is no release date. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. So that's Rookie. 
I played a game that is a little bit different from that. Tiny bit. I I played <laughs> Microsoft. Play? I played Microsoft Flight Simulator. Oh, that's just a good time. And yeah, well, yes. So, Microsoft Flight Simulator came out today. It is Tuesday. And my my teenage son just was like, you mean it's out, Dad? Yes, Evan. I want to play, and you didn't tell me? I want to play it! Okay, well, you can't right now, because it's only on PC, and I'm sitting at my PC. Anyway, so... Microsoft Flight Simulator came out today. Review embargo lifted, and it has been remarkably well-received by the press. And I was very excited about it because I, you know, wanted to try it. I found out that, like, one of the coolest features in this game is that it uses Bing Maps satellite imagery. Oh, interesting. To render the terrain, if you choose, if you have a data cap or if you, you know, have a slow internet, etc. You can forego that, and it just kind of uses rendered stuff. But otherwise, it uses satellite imagery to kind of make it work. And for the most part, unless you're in a very distant rural area, your house is in this game because That's of the fact that it has. Cool. So I was like, listen, every airport is in the game, awesome. in the world. And so I was like, listen, I think I need to take off at Bradley International Airport. And visit my home. And I tried. Uh Now, the issue is I didn't have a lot of time because I got off work. I installed it, which, by the way, the installation took a while because there's a lot of data to this game. And I was like, you know what? I'll just turn on all the assists because you can like this is a simulator. So it's meant to kind of challenge you and and potentially recreate the real experience. But I was like, listen, how hard could it be if I just turn on all the assists? It'll just have a gas button and a, you know, whatever. Uh, Amanda, would you believe me if I told you that that was not the case? And even (laughs) with all the assists on, it is still hard to fly a plane? Yes, I would believe you because I have played like two or three other Microsoft Flight Simulators in my life and they are hard games. Yeah, I uh, I was very taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. It was more of a, okay, clearly I can't do this now, but I'm going to come back and do this more. Like, I really want to do the tutorials. What I was, I was encouraged because it felt doable. Clearly, I just needed to be taught what all the buttons did. And I think I'm going to try and play with mouse and keyboard because I think I might have a more fun playing because I was playing with a controller. And I feel like maybe playing with a mouse and keyboard, I might be a little bit better. Maybe I don't know. It's a little more granular playing with a mouse and a keyboard. I have never played a flight simulator game without a flight stick. So if I sit down and play it, I'm a little concerned for myself because I don't have a flight stick. Yeah, because who has a flight stick anymore? Mike has a flight stick, believe it or not. He's got a really fancy one over there that he uses with Elite Dangerous. Oh, well... I should have known better than to ask a loaded question. <laughs> that was a loaded like, question. <laughs> who has this incredibly probably piece my, of technology? And also probably my father has a flight stick okay. and probably right. a racing wheel. But, th- but that's the thing, right? The racing wheel I, bu- I buy because they're, you know, there are racing games that come out every year, annually. Yeah. Even. But flying games, unless you play Elite Dangerous 
or theoretically play Star Citizen, do you play Star Citizen or do you experience Star Citizen or do you just pay for Star Citizen? I think you just pay for Star Citizen. I don't think, I think you actually you just do pay anything. for it. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I bought it, but I haven't played it and I'm not gonna. Is there like I don't even know if there's anyway, that's a that's a story for another day. So unless you play Elite Dangerous, there really hasn't been much experience or, or much reason to have a flight stick. You're right. You just so happen to live with a Elite Dangerous player. But yep. I so I struggled with it. Here's what I will say. Even crashing horrendously, which by the way, if you're worried about being in a very realistic plane. And, you know, having to deal with, like, that phobia of, like, crashing, Mm -hmm. it definitely doesn't crash the planes anymore. Okay. I have a feeling that's a sensitivity decision. Possibly, What they do is it just, like, black screens. And it's like, you did bad, son. And then respawns you. (laughs) So you can't... That's a much gentler way of the... In comparison to what they used to do, that's for sure. Exactly. Where everything went kaboom. But it is absolutely gorgeous. I was playing mm-hmm. on my PC, which is it, admittedly on a PC, you're going to have to put some effort in to have a decent computer to be able to run it. But mm-hmm. it was absolutely gorgeous. And I feel like I could play this game. I don't think this is beyond me. Now, I know hashtag Steve is bad at games, but I think if I actually play the tutorials, I, I think there's hope, which is That's impressive awesome. for a simulator game. And Man, listen, if you have kids that, like, are interested in planes, there really is no better video game than this one. True. And it's free on Game Pass Ultimate on PC. Yes. Which, can I further proving that Xbox Game Pass is the most absurd value in video games ever? It's true. Ever. Absolutely and completely. Speaking of Xbox Game Pass, you and I both played Spirit Fair today. We sure as heck did. Shadow dropped. Did you know it was coming? No, I had no idea that it was coming out today, and I definitely right. didn't know that it was coming to Xbox Game Pass at all. So that was, Ouch. yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. That, I'm glad to know that I wasn't the only one that was surprised by that. So they just announced surprised. it as part of the Nintendo Switch thing, which we're mm-hmm. going to talk about later. Yeah, definitely. And said that it was coming out today, and I was like, whoa, how cool. And then I was like trying to figure out, you know, all right, am I going to buy it? When am I going to buy it? What am I going to do? And then, I don't know what happened. Somebody tweeted out that it was on Game Pass. And guess what I didn't have to do? I did not have to buy it. So how, I, I think I put in about an hour and a half into the game. So how far did you get? I found the second passenger. So. Okay. You are farther than me. I only have the first passenger. The, the 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 bougie deer the adorably pedantic deer yes i like her yep i do i like her this game is pretty cool it's glo- it's glorious it's such a magical beautiful game it's got a gorgeous soundtrack as well so it's mm-hmm. just it's even though this is and make no mistake this is a game that deals heavily with death the whole the whole point of the game is to be a spirit fairer and get people who are ready to move on and move on to whatever is beyond, you know, beyond death, getting them to move into the place where they're ready to accept that they have to move on. Mm-hmm. I really, really like it so far. Like I I haven't I haven't had a great experience with 
just diving into indie games that are really heavy, that have like heavy narrative. But I actually played this game with my mom the last time that I saw her at PAX West. She came with me to my appointment. It was just, it, it's one of those things where it was just really special. It was really special to be able to share that part of my career with my mother because, you know, she's come to me to come with me to PAX before, but she's never seen me work. Okay. So it was, it was great. And tapping back into, you know, some of my own childhood memories of dealing with death for the first time. And like the adults just didn't really know how to talk about it. I think that if my kids, when my kids are put in that position where we need to have that conversation, you know, spirit fairer would be a really good game to put in front of them and be like, well, let's, let's talk about death and what death means and the grander scope of life. Yeah, absolutely. This is a definitely a heavy game and it plays it in a very light way. Yes. So, it is very Studio Ghibli kind of, you know, that the, not necessarily it's the animation drawn. style, but yeah. it's the color palette really reminded me of that. You know, it's hand drawn, but the color palette really reminded me of some of those movies. But it, so it's very light, mm-hmm. but clearly right underneath that surface level is a very serious narrative that I'm waiting to explore and see kind of how where it goes. And I, I, my only question for myself is is how deep is it going to go without really just outright telling me what it's talking about? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to tell me its themes or just express them and let me figure it out on my own? And obviously only time will tell on that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, my only complaint is that I wish the platforming was better. And I it's know that's not definitely the priority. Got some, it's definitely got some janky platforming where it's like, mm, I feel like this could have been telegraphed better or this is a little buggy or this needs to be patched or or whatever. So, yeah, you're not the only one that's that's definitely feeling the, the platforming yeah. weirdness. Because a good portion of it is you build your own platforming level, not in the same way as like Mario Maker or something like that, but you're building your boat and your boat is full of ramps and platforms to get up and navigate so that occasionally you, you know, do these kind of, I hesitate to call them combat levels, but they're encounters on your boat mm-hmm. where you have to kind of jump to all different levels and, you know, touch these enemies. And I really just, and I know that eventually the boat is going to get absolutely bananas mainly because I watched the trailers. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I know the design that they're going for, and so I know I'm going to be having this really cool platforming level, but it doesn't feel like the, the, the actual mechanics are really going to support that. But it could very well be that I just need more stuff to jump on and I'll feel better. It could be because I have I have this I have three buildings myself. I've got the fields, so I'm yep. growing stuff. And then I've got a kitchen and I've got mm-hmm. the guest house. Yeah. So, so I've had to reorient them a couple of times just to make sure that I can hit most of the platforms. But I also just unlocked double jump. So that's very Oh, there's cool. a double jump. Yeah. Oh, well, then never mind. I'll be fine. Yeah. So I'll the, be fine. The, the double jump is really helpful. And you unlock that through picking up spirits and bringing them onto your boat. And they give you these, these you know, cool pieces of currency. Okay. So I feel a little bit better. A double jump definitely would help. Yes. Okay. 
So that's Spiritfarer. It is available right now along with Microsoft Flight Simulator on Xbox Game Pass. Yes. Um, Spiritfarer is also available on Nintendo Switch as of today as well. That's correct. Man, like when a game Shadow Drops on Switch, not surprised. Shadow Dropping on Game Pass at the same time. Like, that's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It is, in fact, a no-brainer. So that's around the horn. Other than that, I've been playing old standbys. You Have you uh, gotten back into Final Fantasy XIV at all, or have you I just have. been too busy? Oh, you have. No, I got, in, I got back into Final Fantasy XIV last night with the guys, and it is so much better now. There was an oh, yeah. enormous patch that came out that significantly reduced the number of quests that you have to do before you get into the Heavensward content. So, like, Realm Reborn is the base game. Yeah. And then Heavensward is the first expansion. So that's, I think, 2.5 or something like that. So I don't know. It's been, it was a lot better last night. We got through the entirety of the 2.1 patch. We're moving into 2.2 now into the next round of quests. So I'm confident that we'll be into Heaven's Word content before we know it. And I'm really excited. You're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. Uh, World of Warcraft is, I will say, continuing to go smooth. We are cruising and if you hear the popping that is not gunfire that is fireworks randomly in august i don't know welcome to redneck connecticut so we are cruising towards shadowlands we still do not have a release date which is kind of nuts that is yeah they have they have confirmed that it is coming out in 2020 and we have a a, a this is the eighth expansion to World of Warcraft. So at this point, we know what the general timeline is. And the next big piece of content that will drop is what's called the pre-patch, which is a patch that brings in most of the gameplay changes, just not new content. And that is on the player test realms right now. And usually that means that the pre-patch, which is usually like four to six weeks before the actual game is, you know, a month to a month and a half away. Mm -hmm. But they still haven't told us anything, and we really don't know what that means. So it is, but we are cruising, you know, at this point, people are figuring out what stuff you have to get done because it won't be doable after the pre-patch. We're leveling up alts to take advantage of the double experience thing that's still going on, but is going away after the pre-patch. I still haven't gotten my invite into the beta yet, but hmm. I'm expecting that that will, you know, eventually it just goes open. So, and I'm certainly going to play that. We are just kind of cruising towards a new expansion. And man, I can't wait. I will admit I am kind of relieved at all of the video game delays and the fact that I don't have to buy an Xbox because <laughs> now I don't have to review a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X and an expansion for World of Warcraft in a matter of two weeks. Yeah, that's fair. Because that kills an editorial pool at, like, IGN. And I am a dude. <laughs> it it's true, be, and I guess you would, can leave the Series X stuff to me since we're going to get one. So yeah, we, we will very likely do that. It's convenient, but I would definitely like to know when it is so I could, like, I don't know, take a day off or determine if I don't need to. Obviously, I'm not going to take the day of the expansion off. That's stupid, because you know the servers aren't going to work. Oh, yeah, they're 100% going to be broken. 
But, you know, maybe like two or three days later, I might like to take a day. And But, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. I so, so that is the old standbys. Let's talk about the news. Because today, yesterday, they announced an indie showcase. 20 minutes of Nintendo goodness, specifically about independent titles. Yes, it was Nindies. And I always temper my expectations with Nindies because sometimes they are games that are 100% for me. And sometimes they are not. Today was pretty much all for me. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff in there, wasn't there? Was there was a lot. Today was great. So I figured what we would do is just go through all the family-friendly stuff that got announced. Sure. So everything tier less. And we'll just kind of roll with it. So they started by telling us that Super Giants Hades is coming out. Yes. Is that T or M? I can't remember. So Hades should be, it will be T. It's rating pending, but it'll be a T. All right. So it's a roguelike game where you play as the, well, you're the son of Hades, right? It's not actually Hades. I think so. Yeah. I haven't played it, so I don't know. All right. You play as this dude. It's very, it's a very stylized Greek mythology setting, and basically you are trying to escape the underworld. Hence Hades. And every time you die, you respawn at home, and story happens, etc. It looks really cool. This is coming this fall to the Nintendo Switch. It's already on. Well, it's as of right now, it's an Epic Game Store exclusive. We knew it was um, coming event. Yeah, so when it was announced, it was an Epic Game Store exclusive in early access. So a year later, it's also available on Steam. Oh, it's on Steam now too? Okay. It is. In Steam and it's on Steam in early access now. Okay. I think. Let me double check, but I'm pretty sure it's still early access. We have the power of the internet at our hands. True facts. Yeah, early access game. All right. So next was Spirit Fair, which is the game we just talked about. It's a management style game. I had, I had to call it a management style game, but basically you are building a boat and it's helping fair spirits. Yeah, it, this is a game that I, I would recommend watch a YouTube video. You will know within a few minutes whether or not this is your jam. I think this is True. this is not an ambiguous game. You either nope. know you're going to like it or you know you're going to hate it very quickly. Mm-hmm. How about how about that Garden Story, which was the game that came next? Man, <laughs> I played Garden Story. That game is excellent. Okay, it is a weird little roguelike, and I I don't know, man. I really liked it. I saw it at E or not at E three at PAX East, and it's all about power of friendship and restoring your garden and you need to you play a grape named concord which by the way that's real good a plus that's a plus for sure so garden story our garden story looks really good and it plays like the vertical slice that i played at pax was just fantastic it's got some dungeon crawling going on it It has when they popped up the first screens my middle son was like dad what's stardew valley doing on here like stardew valley's old and i was like i don't think this is stardew valley if it is it must be some kind of expansion i don't know and then it was 
then a grape came out and he's like, so they're adding a grape character to Stardew Valley. And I was like, guys, this isn't Stardew Valley. Okay. <laughs> it's not. And I was right. It's its own thing. This, this is cool. It's coming out next year. I was disappointed because I was really hoping that this one would come out today. Cause I really would have loved to have picked that one up, but That's I have fair. a feeling that if it did, I would have had to cancel the podcast so that I can play it. So I'm kind of glad <laughs> I did. Podcasting is important. Other pretty big announcement, at least for my kids, uh, my son Jacob absolutely loves Subnautica. And so Subnautica and Subnautica Below Zero on Switch next year, he is ultra hyped for that. So that's cool. Yep. And so next, okay, I texted you in the middle of the presentation. You did. To talk to you about Takeshi and Hiroshi. It looks hecking adorable. Oh my god! Oh, t- just this, just this t- game has oh. no business being as cute as it is. It is the most meta-looking freaking game I've ever seen. Quite literally, you all play. Right. An, all right, you do the thing. You do the no, thing. I've talked. No, enough. by all means, by all means, it's totally fine. I the thing that really caught my caught my eye about about Takeshi and Hiroshi was in the fact that it is ridiculously meta. It's a couple of couple of kids that are sitting down these brothers and one of the brothers is an aspiring game designer and wants to introduce his little brother to his work. So they play the game that, that his big brother is designing mm-hmm. and it's an RPG. Yep. So you have to, the idea is you have to build an RPG for your brother, Yes. but you have, but the goal, and this is, this is the, the subtle thing here. The goal is to entertain him, not, like kill him. So you have to really balance it out a little bit. This is one of those games. I'm really excited to play it. First off, it's $9 on the Nintendo switch eShop right now. So, and that's not even on sale. So this is cheap, which implies to me that it is relatively short, but I'm kind of okay with that. A lot of our kids have picked up Mario maker, right? Yes. And immediately built the most insane, unfair, broken levels ever. Right. Yes. That are intended to just be unbeatable, unplayable. And so congrats. You threw some assets on the page. Right. But you didn't actually make a game that was fun or engaging to play. And that's a lesson that I've struggled with with my kids where it's like, you know, what you want to do is you want to you want to entertain, not torment. Yeah, exactly. And Gabriel is really good. He's he's under he's understanding that gameplay that that satisfactory gameplay loop where you're designing the game to make people smile or you're designing the game to egg people on to get to the next level. Like he he intuitively understood that because he knows what he likes in games. Yep. Um but I don't know, maybe maybe your kiddos are all about the punishment. Maybe they love those Maso core games, dad. You don't know. That doesn't make them great game designers. That's and so true. what I feel like is that this is kind of an interesting opportunity to teach that lesson. And so I'm hoping I'm I'm going to play it, obviously. And my hope is that I'll come away with it as this being a, OK, so your kid really loves them some game design stuff. Why don't you have them play this? So they can learn that lesson in an interesting and engaging way. Also, hecking cute. The, the interstitials are uh, are cl- they look claymation. It says it's puppets, but it looked claymation to me. 
Yeah, they kind of looked claymation to me as well. Maybe that's what they meant. Yeah, like they're know. supposed to be like these little dolls on strings, I guess. I don't know. Either way, it looks super adorable. The gameplay, the actual gameplay is darkest. Is looks very darkest dungeon. It does, but, but cute. But cute, but cute. Darkest dungeon as played by little people. True. The brand. So that is Takeshi and Hiroshi. Amanda, t- take it away on Raji and an ancient epic because I saw you tweet about this quite aggressively. <laughs> It was a, a okay game. gimme. It was an okay gimme kind of kind of experience. So Raji and Ancient Epic is an action adventure game and it's set in ancient India. So yeah. there are very few games out there that allow us to experience what one of these Indian tales might be beyond stereotypes and tropes. This game is all about an epic tale of, of good and evil, essentially. And what really what really got me about this is that this is partially a platforming game. It's partially because you can like run on walls and stuff. So it's like mm-hmm. Prince of Persia goodness. That's what I'm um, feeling. That's that those were my serious vibes. But the the other part of this is that this is also about defeating enemies like these demons so you you know you have to figure out which instruments are going to be best in which situations and you have to you know these these powers that are gifted to you by the gods you have to figure out which are best for these situations so yeah this is this is just a really it's a really beautiful game about a girl named Raji who is going to try to find her brother uh-huh. and essentially end a reckless like how they how they have it on their game page is like it's to end a quote reckless war between demons and gods so well then yeah so i i love epic journeys and i really really love epic journeys that take us through mythology and through tales that we don't grow up with you know this isn't cinderella this is stories about ramayana and the only reason why I know Ramayana is because I you know, one of my best friends growing up, her parents were from India. So those were like tales we used to learn about, yeah. <laughs> like going to her house or whatever. So. So anyway, so Raji, an epic tale or an ancient epic, sorry, looks really, really good. And I am so excited to, to play this game. And it's out now. It's out right this second. Yeah, I definitely got Prince of Persia vibes. Like, yeah. and mainly yeah. from the platforming and also the color palette too. Like, it really just nice colors. Very, you know, it, I don't want to call it bright because that's not what it was. But it was no. so nice to look at. It was just, I think it's because of the lighting. The lighting was really beautiful. So it yes. really sucked you into the experience. It was immersive. Immediately just looking at the game, you can tell that you were going to fall into this story and not want to come out. Yes. Absolutely. So they followed that up with Bear and Breakfast. Oh my goodness, Bear and Breakfast looks hilariously awesome. So I would have not believed you if you told me that you watched this event and that they told you about a bed and breakfast sim where you are a bear. Mm -hmm. I would have thought that you were concussed. (laughs) Wow. I just would not have believed it because... Because, number one, I know you wouldn't lie to me. No, honestly. I never would. 
So clearly you would have had to have been mistaken. So like a fever dream or something. I don't know. I just wouldn't have believed it. And here we are. And it's got it, – it, it's a management sim where you're making a bear a bed and breakfast. But you're a bear. But you're a bear. I think, I think the make a bed and breakfast simulator – like a bed and breakfast simulator is going to sell like crazy anyway. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like we live in a world where house flipper is – doing bananas on steam so a bed and breakfast simulator would absolutely do it mm-hmm. just throwing the bear in it's just like that extra touch to just be like yeah we know we're making this for video gamers so it's the cool thing the cool thing about this game is you remember my one of my very favorite games on the nintendo switch called the adventure pals yes is so it the this, same team no this is not the same team this is not massive oh. monster but this is the same oh. publishing studio that brought us okay. the adventure pals so i have Yes. So I am I am excited about this because I think that Armor Games is really, really smart. And I think that their approach to their new indie label has been shrewd. So I think that this is going to be one of those really surprising games, much like the Adventure Pals was, was just this like smack you in the back of the head kind of game where it's like this game is great. Actually, this game is smart and funny and like the platforming rules. And I can totally see that for Baron Breakfast. Yeah, I can't wait to play this game. That's I really can't. Great. This is going to be one of those games where I'm where I have a, I have a feeling that it's going to be one of those games that we're going to end up unveiling it as part of the EFG Essentials and being like, "Sorry, guys, it's just really good. Deal with it." So after that, how about a short hike? Finally, how about getting some success? That little that little guy, one dude and his partner making this game, and I think she just does PR. I think he just did it by himself just such a cute little game i'm so happy that he's getting all the success you know what i mean yeah absolutely a short hike i ended up playing that with my husband it took a couple of hours to play it but it was such a joyful experience Mm -hmm. like it felt really meaningful all the decisions you were making were meaningful all of the ways in which you were you know essentially trying to overcome your own fears and overcome your own anxieties about climbing this mountain essentially and getting to Uh the top of it and maybe you'll feel better once you get there by just doing something with your life yeah i really i really like a short hike i'm so glad that it's coming to the switch i think it's out today actually it's shadow today so if you have not played a short hike it is seven dollars on the nintendo eShop, and it's well worth it it's a couple of hours very well spent and just sitting on your Sitting on your couch and playing it is just, it's gorgeous. Absolutely wonderful. It's a lot of fun. It really is. So after that, they told us about Card Shark. Card Shark, no, that's probably not for us. So I'm going to skip that one. Yeah, Card Shark is, I mean, I think that's going to be a harder tea because it's about gambling and about thievery. Yeah. and It's literally a game about cheating cards. With that said... If you like card games, it is worth watching the YouTube video trailer for it to see some of the cool gameplay mechanics that are in there. Mm -hmm. Definitely worth a Google. Definitely. Uh, Followed up with Torchlight 3, which I am pretty hype about. I think I'm going to play this one on PC. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm still thinking about it. I kind of liked the second Torchlight, but it still wasn't as good as the first, and I've heard mixed things about Torchlight 3, so... Mm. I don't know. I mean, here we go. It really comes down to it's Diablo, but it's not, de- like, bleeding demons and stuff. Yeah. That's the... 
this feels a little bit more gauntlet than Diablo to me. Fair and enough. That is Fair enough. a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. This is a different kind of game. I mean, they switched com- they switched directions completely. This was originally going to be a free-to-play game. And they recently switched it to a premium experience, which means for those listening that means you got to pay for it, yeah. which is fine by me, right? Because you're paying for it either way, either with your time mm-hmm. or your advertising. But so that's Torchlight 3. And the just a couple more Manifold Garden. I don't know why yeah. I had such a hard time saying garden. garden, probably because I got really confused by the puzzles. It's a Tell, very, you, it's an Escher game. Have you played it before? I have not played it before, but I've seen so many <laughs> different folks sitting down with it. Like I've watched a number of Google videos. The This game is bonkers. It looks yeah. really, really cool. I know that it was on Apple Arcade and I think it's still on Apple Arcade. Um, and I think it's on the Epic Game Store as well. So this game is like everywhere, but. It's it's so cool. I, I just don't think it's the kind of game for me because I think it would end up giving me headaches. <laughs> yeah, I think I might struggle with it, too. This is one of those ones that I think, again, you got to watch it just to see. Yeah, and it might look interesting. And Jake was like, yeah, Dad, I want to play this. And I was like, well, you can probably play it on Apple Arcade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that is Evergate, which I swear to God, I played this game at PAX East. Yeah, I don't. I it looks really familiar to me. I didn't play it, but it looks familiar because really, that little that little soul flame guy looks pretty cute. I have definitely seen that guy before. Like, I really feel like I have. I don't know, obviously. Like, I can't remember, but it's out today, and it's a puzzle platformer where you know the, the puzzle elements really are you know kind of navigating some of these really intricate platforming segments. Where you are, I don't want to say racing against the clock. I mean, there is a speed running mode, if this Mm -hmm. is the game that I remember. But it is using your different powers and trying to navigate through these challenging platforming puzzles. It is, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It looks really cool. And I'm looking it up. This is, in fact, the game that I played. So I have, in fact, played this. It is very good, Amanda. Okay. Very good. This is what I would call a Steve game. And at this point, if you do a direct or some kind of presentation, you are expected to have one more thing. Like oh, of you, course. You have to go, we're done. Oh, but before we go, we have one more thing. And this time they ended it with a two-player cooperative mode for Untitled Goose Game. Because of course they did. Because of course they did. Is it possible that things have just gotten too stupid with Goose Game? Like, no, there's no the such point? thing. No. You don't think so? No, I don't think we could ever get to that point with Goose Game. Goose Game is pure, it is wholesome, and it is perfect the way it is. And adding another goose just sounds awesome. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I mean, I'm going to play I, that I, with Vivi. I can't really argue with you on that, because you're right. You're right. So that is a free update. That's really good news. It's a free yes. update that's coming to everybody that owns the game on September 23rd that allows two geese to wreak havoc. I don't know if they're going to add new challenges or if this is another thing. Here's what I really can't wait for. Right now, the world record for Goose Game is, you know, under nine minutes. Whoa. With co-op, they can do some crazy tricks, I am sure. So I am very much looking forward to that. What I'm really looking forward to is the one player, two controllers, speedruns that will inevitably be at games done quick 
in, oh, I bet. in probably a year and a half. I would imagine. So that's that was it. That's that was, it. That's a lot of good games. We skipped over like two video games. Like everything else was all in for Team EFG, which let's be real, is something that we like to hear because we, we love, love it, when, it. We love it when kids have more games to play. Does here's my question for you. Does does this kill the Nintendo has no games narrative for a little while? I think so. I think that I think that the big problem there though is that folks are waiting for first party Nintendo games, not third party Nintendo games. Yeah. So that makes it that makes it all the more challenging as a result of that. So yeah. we'll just keep we'll keep an eye out. We'll see what Nintendo's up to. But we've also seen a lot of game delays. So we're gonna see yeah. a lot more before the before the year is out. Working from home is not ideal in a gaming environment because you need access to really powerful computers in order to do your work yeah. on a at a larger scale. And working at yeah. home is okay, but working at work is better when you make games. I was talking not all games, of... but like first party games specifically. Well, I mean, Vegans. I was talking to a producer for a, a AAA video game on Twitter the other day. We were throwing some DMs back at each other because I was really just curious. And the information I have is like, when you have to download a build of a video game that is not optimized to be on a disc. If you don't have really good internet, sometimes it could take hours to download the build. And if you're a producer or you know somebody that really needs, like you can't do much until your game is downloaded, you could lose the whole day. Or what if something happens to your internet or something like that? Whereas if you were in the office, it would be super fast or they would, would. literally bring a drive with them. It would be – there are all sorts of real-world options to fix – but if you are in Chicago and the other person is in the suburbs of Chicago or even farther away, you're re- relying on the internet. So I agree with you that even if you can work at the same speed and your productivity, quote unquote, is not lower, just passing files between people is so much harder. So I totally get that. We have not seen the end of that shenanigans. Speaking of shenanigans, how about that for a segue? Pretty good. That's a good segue. <sighs> Man, it's like I've been doing this for almost 300 episodes. So True facts. So uh, Epic and Apple. And Google. And Google are having like a billionaire slap fight. Kind of. And I don't – I just want it to be like over. I, yeah. Can you, can you just fill me in on – the high level. Fill us all in on the high level okay. if you all if right. you can. As yes, because I've been thinking about this a lot and how we were going to talk about it on EFG. So here's the deal. Epic decided that they're like, hey, we don't want to give Apple a 30%, Apple or Google a 30% cut on all of our V-Bucks because it makes a lot of money for us and it makes a lot of money for them. But we don't think that their practices of a 30% cut is ethical. We only yeah. take 12% on the Epic Game Store. So it's really silly that they're doing that they're doing that both to us and to everybody else that sells on their platform. So what if we completely cut them out and we just sold V-Bucks on the website and we gave a bunch of people a permanent discount, like a 20% discount if you purchase it through the Epic Game Store. Sure. So that was that. That goes against the terms and conditions of selling on the Apple App Store and on the Google Play Store. So as a result, Apple and Google both removed Fortnite 
from both of the both of those stores. And as a result, Epic hit both of them with monopolistic complaints. These are not lawsuits. These are complaints and are not seeking. Like if you want to get if you want to go really into the into the weeds with this, you can go listen to Virtual Economy. Our last pod, our last episode talks about that at the very end of the episode. So because we recorded it and then we had to go back and we're like, oh, oh, shoot. There, there's oh, there's breaking news. OK, I guess we'll do this real quick. So yeah, if you want to get into the weeds on like the legal side of this, what this means essentially is that if you already, and this is for kids just in general, or for anybody that plays Fortnite on mobile platforms, you are, as far as I know, you are still able to play Fortnite on both iOS and Android devices, all of them. You will not be able to update them if there are updates that are, that are necessary to be rolled out for these particular applications for this particular application on either of the operating systems. So any updates will break the game. But for now, it's business as usual. You can still play the game. You can still connect to the servers. The game has not been removed from devices. It's been removed for new players to download it or for older players to like to download it again, essentially. So if you have it on your device today, it's business as usual. If you don't have it on your devices, you're kind of out of luck for now. Okay. So when you say for now, you think they're going to they're going to make up eventually? Um I think that Apple is forcing Epic's hand by potentially removing all of the applications that on the App Store that use Unreal on that use Unreal. And that's a significant chunk of developers that either use Unity or Unreal and I think that because the CEO of Epic Games, his name is Tim Sweeney, he loves developers. He loves PC developers especially, but he loves developers. And he wants to make developer lives easier, which is why he's like, well, I'll go toe-to-toe with the big guys. I'm a big guy. I'll do this for the little guys too. And I don't think it's purely altruistic in that sense because it's also good for their bottom line. But I do believe that Sweeney does care a lot about making making sure that anyone anywhere and at any time can make a decent living p- making games and publishing games. So so I think that this is going to force Epic's hand because this if they don't, if they don't back down, then they potentially really harm other developers and I don't think Tim Sweeney would necessarily be okay with that. I think that the legal team at Epic is really sweating bullets, but that their legal brief, well it's not a brief, it was a complaint, sorry. Their legal complaints were really, really, really well done. And they were clearly waiting for Apple and Google to be like, all right, well, you're off our app store. And they're like, all right, we're going to sue you. So, yeah. so anyway, those are, that's like the very like top level perspective on what's going on there. But if you want a deeper understanding of what some of those legal and cultural touch points look like, go and listen to Virtual Economy. Our last episode talks about it. I think that's episode 39 for us. I can't wait to give that a listen. I haven't listened yet, but I'm going to. This is one of those things I'm really perplexed about. What really is interesting, and parents who are you know, even tangentially involved in like the general gaming space are going to, you know, if you're like, in a, a big a big enough gaming group, you're going to have seen people talking about this. And what's mm-hmm. really interesting is the number of people who are like taking sides, which 
is inevitable, right? Like tribalism is a thing. It's like the theme of 2020. But it is, uh, for me, I just want it to be over. And I'm just kind of like, because I I don't see the longer this goes, the worse this is going to be. Does that make sense? No, I understand what you're, I definitely understand what you're saying. As far as, as far as it goes from my perspective, I think that, I think that Apple is potentially going to force Epic's hand. We'll just have to see. I think that Epic might end up just being like, all right, well, we don't want to damage our developers. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll leave this be for now, but we'll be back. But this is also not outside of Epic's purview because they did this with Fortnite on PlayStation where they're like, oh yeah, cross-platform multiplayer? Yeah, we can definitely do that. Oh, our bad. No, we're we're not actually allowed to implement that because Sony said no. So they turned it on on Sony briefly. They're just like, no, we can do it. They just don't want us to. So, and then that forced Sony's hand and Sony's like, I guess, I guess you can do cross-platform multiplayer with Rocket League and Minecraft and Fortnite, I guess. Man, it must have stung to do that with Minecraft. I would imagine so, yeah. You know, like Fortnite and Rocket League, who cares? They care, clearly, but not as big of a deal as allowing one of their platform competitors to have, oh man, man. Yeah, it's, uh, so this is not the first time that Epic has done something like this, and it likely will not be the last. Like I said, if you want more information on some of like the legal precedent that they used in their complaints and to better understand this from the perspective of marketing and legal, I mean, Mike and I dig into that in our, our last episode. So my suggestion to parents is don't panic yet. Yeah. Just, you know, it's business as usual for now. Your kids should be fine still playing on their iPads and on their Android tablets and phones. So... We will keep you updated. If we find out anything else, we'll keep you updated here on the show. If you have any questions, you can always send us a tweet over on our main account. So yeah, and we'll and we'll put that in the show notes and everything. So absolutely. So let's end this episode on a positive note, shall we? Let's do it. And and let's just talk about. Just absurdity, which, you know, is partially my jam. If you told me at the beginning of 2020 that we would have a brand new G.I. Joe hero shooter by the end of the year, Uh I would have also told you that you were absolutely crazy. I know that you wouldn't lie to me. Never. But I definitely think you would have been mistaken if you told me that there is going to be a G.I. Joe hero shooter. But guess what, Amanda? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a G.I. Joe hero shooter called G.I. Joe Operation Blackout coming out on October 13th. And dare I say it, it kind of looks like it might be okay. I don't know dun, what to dun, do with dun. that. So we're, d- you're familiar with G.I. Joe. I think you are a bit young for G.I. Joe, but you you know the, the, the general shtick, right? Today. I do. Yeah. G.I. Joe was definitely a thing in Canada. It had very, very little to do. It wasn't like a big thing because it was very rah-rah America and Canadian television is very not rah-rah America. So Because it's a different country. (laughs) Because it's a different country. Same continent, different country. Lots of American culture in Canada. Don't get me wrong. um, But not so much in my cartoons. That totally makes sense. Yeah. So that's more of a cultural thing than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So I was always a Transformers kid. Obviously, because I like giant robots and G.I. Joe, not so much with the giant robots. I love giant robots. 
Yeah, who doesn't love giant robots? So the speaking of giant robots, did you see that the one in Japan took its first step a couple months ago and the end times are coming? I don't need to do with that. It's okay. crazy. So anyway, so I wasn't much of a G.I. Joe guy, but I was always, you know, I appreciate them. You know, whatever. It's cool characters doing cool stuff and blah. Red lasers, blue lasers, whatever. So now we find out that on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC, there is a multiplayer-focused hero shooter where you get to play as a smattering of G.I. Joe guys and Cobra dudes. And it it has a kind of soft, cel-shaded look that looks kind of like very toyetic, right? Like it looks like they are action mm-hmm. figures. Well, here's what I will say about this. If you are listening to this show, the majority of our audience are right smack in that age limit where you either loved G.I. Joe's or you know someone that did. Sure. So this is going to be on our radar. I'm going to be paying attention to it more as they release more information. I believe that there is th- – th- this is a, a – binary situation either this game is going to be an amazing value because i believe that this is going to be a budget price video game so this is going to be a double a multiplayer game that you, that you can get your for your kids it doesn't have blood in it because they're shooting lasers and stuff yep. this is going to be one of those kind of games like a plants versus zombies garden warfare with like characters right where it's going to be a great value a lot of fun or it's going to be a train wreck. I don't think that we live in a world where this game will be in the middle. You know what I mean? Have you ever mm-hmm. watched, you ever see a game get announced and you go, This Oof. is either going to be spectacular or spectacularly bad. Yeah. And I don't know which one is going to be which. Sometimes I get a sense. I'm not quite as good as you are. You have a pretty good sense from the jump about whether a game's going to be good or not. I admit I'm a hype machine. In this case, I really don't know. And I think that's part of the fun with this one. It's kind of gambling, you know? So for those of you who are interested, literally just go on YouTube and look up G.I. Joe Operation Blackout. There are a bunch of trailers and you'll see whether or not this is a game that you're interested in. Although I will say this, if you really loved G.I. Joe's back in the day and you also like shooters, then you are probably going to be at least vaguely interested in this video game. Fair enough. Because it's like right in there, just getting it. Uh, and I'm fine with that. So, and I've had some good Transformers games, so it's time for G.I. Joe. It's time for you guys to have your moment, I think. That's fair. Amanda, would you believe me if I told you that this yeah. was episode 229 of wow. the Age Family Gaming Podcast? Holy smokes. We did it. We one did. More, one more episode. So, everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our podcast as much as Amanda and I enjoyed recording it. I have one favor to ask. Most of you, and I know this because I have the stats, are listening to this on an iOS device. On that iOS device is a podcast app, and I would encourage you to use that iOS podcast app to leave us a review. I've been doing this podcast for a number of years, and I haven't really pushed the reviews, and it turns out that that has been a tactical error. (laughs) So I am asking (laughs) that you help make up for my mistake and head on over and leave us a review, preferably one with many stars, but I can only ask ethically for an honest review. But leave the numbers, leave a comment, because comment, believe it or not, the review police 
prefer both ratings and written review to go along with it. Doesn't need to be very long. You just say great job, Amanda. It's fine. It would be great. I would love to get a few more reviews every week. So until next time, like I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to be back next week with Linda to talk about board games and get caught up on all the stuff from Gen Con Online and figure out what the rest of this year is going to look like in the board game space. But until then, I want all you guys to have yourself a great day. And I also want to make sure that you don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.